LL's new one-stop shop, booking a vacation to Israel has never been easier. It's simple. The easy-to-use system allows you to book your flight to Israel and customize your travel plans with LL's travel partners in the tourist industry and realize huge savings in the process. And now, for Arutsheva listeners only, order a flight and hotel in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv through the Arutsheva site and get a free cell phone with 60 minutes to use absolutely free. Click on the banner on IsraelNationalRadio.com. Shalom and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, is Torah, Israel, and the Noahide Nations. You're here on the Noahide Nations show, and uh, I'm certainly glad that you are, and we appreciate you taking an hour out of your day to spend it with us. And uh, let me go ahead and say, folks, I, I need to say that uh, I'm sorry, We uh, I, I owe you a big apology because we've missed the last uh, couple of weeks here, and I'm going to, you know, try and bring you up to speed. Uh, Prescott, who you all know well, is my uh, co-host, uh, has kind of run into some what I'll call life difficulties. I mean, Hashem always brings these tests before us, and uh, He's not alone in this. We all go through this, and in His particular case, these challenges are taking up uh, an inordinate amount of time on his part. So he is not going to be with us for a little while. I mean, he still wants to continue on as host, but he just needs to get some of these life situations cleared out of the way. So uh, let's all you know keep him in our prayers. And Prescott, if you're listening, just hang in there, buddy. You're going to get through this. It's, it's uh, no big deal. Hashem is always with you. Uh, let me also do a little more housekeeping by reminding everyone that we do love to get your emails. Uh, whether it's on this show, past shows, or upcoming shows, we invite you and encourage you to let us know what's going on in, in your mind. What are you thinking? Do you have any questions? Do you have any comments? Anything at all? Please just send them to us at noahide at israelnationalradio.com. Now, as I mentioned, uh, Prescott and I, we had discussed this, uh, these situations that uh, he was dealing with, and he's going to uh, take some uh, time off, and we kind of d- talked about, well, how do, we, how do we cover for you? What do we need to do? And we kind of came up with an idea of having a, a number of different guest hosts which uh, I myself thought was a, a great idea, and I've made some arrangements to do just that, uh, have a number of guest hosts on the show with me, and we're going to carry this through for the, I don't know, next two, three months, whatever we need to do until Prescott can get things cleared away and back on the air with us. For today's show, and probably for the next, uh, oh, I don't know, at least two weeks, maybe three, we'll just kind of see where it goes, I've got a very, very special guest host. In fact, for those of you who are longtime listeners with No Hide Nations, you'll probably remember Doug, uh, Doug Taylor. He's a, a longtime Noahide. He teaches in uh, the Noahide Nations Academy of Shem. He's the instructor who taught the Fundamentals of Torah class. 
and he's also currently teaching on Proverbs uh, on Sundays at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And he's just a, a, a phenomenal teacher, and I think we really have an opportunity to do some real learning here on on uh, the shows that we have where, where Doug is helping us out by being a co-host. So let's go ahead and, and, and bring him on in here. Doug, come on in. How you doing, my friend? I am doing great, Ray. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing wonderful, and let me just express my my thanks and tremendous gratitude for you taking some time out and and sharing some of your wisdom and knowledge with us in the in the host co-host position uh, for Prescott. Uh, I know he appreciates it, and I certainly do as well. And I'm going to have to believe that the listeners do also. So thank you so much for coming on board with us here today. And and I know that before the show we were kind of you know discussing different I- ideas and what we we're going to be talking about only to discover that there were so many that we're going to have to kind of freewheel it here. But, you know, before we get started on the show, Doug, I'd, I'd like to say that, you know, preparing for this show, I listened to your first class on, on Proverbs again, just this morning, as a matter of fact. And you discussed some of the, the significant benefits of the study of Torah and just, you know, the overall Tanakh in general and, and in particular Proverbs. And you made a very, very profound statement that really withstands any challenge from the the secular world as we might know it and and that is that the study of torah and uh, i should say you know the study of tanakh the the torah and the nakh uh, if you study it sincerely it will definitely change the way you think and the the decisions that you make in in life and and i can speak of this from first hand knowledge because i i can tell you Without any question, I am a completely different person than I was 25 years ago. And I know, again, without question, that it is as a result of the study of Torah. And it's so interesting because I never, I never figured this out for myself, but rather people that I happened to be involved with were the ones who noticed it in me and, and in my life. And, and hearing that class again kind of gave me the opportunity to, to revisit those times many years ago where uh, people started telling me, boy, Ray, you've, you've really changed. And, you know, I had spent some time, uh, about two years, uh, literally just studying full time where I, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours a day, six days a week, and then would teach on Shabbat, that which I had learned during the previous week. And, you know, this is about two years worth of this, and, and people really began to see change in me. And the only thing that I can attribute it to that was different was that I was studying Torah full time. So that was a very, very profound statement, and it needs to be heard a lot and, and needs to be acknowledged. And, yeah. and Doug, don't let me steal your thunder here. So please, if you would, jump on in here and and shut me up. And why don't why don't you share some of this from your perspective? Well, I can sure attest to the same uh, the same point, Ray. That uh, I started studying with rabbis a little over twenty years ago, and the the slow but sure effect of going over and over those ideas and reviewing them. Uh, begins to affect the way that you think, the way that you make decisions, the way that you operate in life, the way you relate to other people. Uh, and so the, the, the treasure there for us is, is profound. Uh, and what I'd like to share with you, uh, today comes from a, uh, 
an experience that I had quite a number of years ago when I was asked to speak at a Noahide conference, and I had a 50-minute time slot, and I thought, okay, what should I talk about? And so I went back through a whole bunch of notes of classes that I had had with the rabbis and started writing down or pulling out things that I thought, oh, this would be a good thing to share, and this would be a good thing to share, and this would be a good thing to share. And by the time I got done, I had 200 and about 250 points that I wanted to try to get across <laughs> in that one 50-minute time slot. And I thought, okay, this isn't probably going to happen. But I started reviewing those points, and I realized there were some common themes that kept coming up from varying directions and various ways. And after working with those ideas for a while, uh, I distilled most of them down to uh, a pretty short list of real key ideas. And I'd like to to share one of those uh, with your listeners today. Yeah, I think that would be great. Let's go for it. Yeah, this this started out uh, with my very first class with Rabbi Morton Moskowitz, who is a teacher here at Northwest Yeshiva High School uh, in the greater Seattle area. And Rabbi Moskowitz graciously agreed uh, about 20 years ago to teach me Jewish philosophy through the study of the book of Proverbs. And so he said, I'll, I'll give you an hour a week. And so I thought that was great. And he said, we'll start with chapter 10. So I got a hold of uh, the of Proverbs and opened it up, and I read all of chapter 10 in preparation for that first hour class. And just to, in order to be a good student, just in case you know we got through all of chapter 10, I read all of chapter 11 as well. <laughs> it sounds I, like you, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what I was about to walk into. So I, I arrived at the school uh, where Rabbi Moskowitz taught, and we settled down into a classroom, and it was just he and I. Uh, there were no other students. And I had an English translation of Proverbs with me, and he had the original Hebrew. And so he began uh, translating it into English and reading it. And he said, okay, the Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. And I'm sitting there across the chair from him thinking, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And he stopped. <laughs> and he, he, he said to me, what are the questions? And I looked at him, and I did not have the foggiest idea what he was referring to. And I finally, so there was this sort of long silence because I was trying to come up with, well, what's the answer to his question? What are the questions? <clears throat> and I finally said, what do you mean, what are the questions? He replied, what are the questions? Like, the verse starts with the words, the Proverbs of Solomon, right? And I said, yeah. He said, that's the title of the book, right? Yeah. And this is the beginning of the 10th chapter, right? Yeah. He said, so when's the last time you read an author who put the title of the book at the beginning of the 10th chapter? He said, what are those words doing there? Why does it say the Proverbs of Solomon there? And I just kind of sat there dumbfounded because I was so used to just gliding across this stuff and reading it and sort of thinking, oh, yeah, okay, I understand that, and moving on to the next thing, that I I just completely missed things that were right in front of my face. And he continued on. He said, okay, 
The verse says that a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. Why doesn't it say that a wise son makes a glad mother, but a foolish son is the grief of his father? In fact, why not just say that a wise son makes glad parents, but a foolish son makes grievous parents? He said, why did the author use that particular juxtaposition? And I thought, oh boy, there's another one. You know, missed that. <laughs> and, you know, and here I thought I was paying attention, you know, and trying to be this really good student. And he kept going. He said, okay, the verse says a wise son. He said, what's wise? What does that mean? What's that word mean? And and in the conversation that followed, he essentially asked me, can you define wisdom in 25 words or less without using any synonym like wise or smart or clever or something like that in such a way that the definition is completely clear? <clears throat> and we spent the entire hour on that one verse, drilling into it, dissecting it, figuring out, okay, what is King Solomon trying to say? And then we had many classes after that, and we used a similar approach. And that was my introduction to the first and perhaps the most important tool of learning, and that is that we have to ask questions. We just have to ask questions. Now, your listeners could be saying right about this point, well, Gee, what do you mean ask questions? I mean, that's kind of obvious. Right. Doesn't, doesn't everybody already know how to do that? Right. <laughs> so, so let's find out. <clears throat> so I'll pose this question to you. If you think back, and I'd ask the listeners to, to do the same as we're talking about this. If you think back over your learning, say, going back to high school, and you think of every class that you've attended between high school and now, uh, so that would include high school classes, any church classes, uh, community college, college classes, uh, church sermons, luncheon seminars, evening classes, whatever it might be. If you lump them all together into sort of a prototype, you've got something on the order of maybe about 30 students in a room, and one person at the front of the room is giving some kind of a lecture or demonstration. Now, if you, if you sort of squash the air out of all those classes and bring them down into the average in your experience, in your experience, assuming there are 30 students in the room, how many will ask questions out of an average of 30 in your experience? Well, it really varies because I've been in such a wide, wide variety of classes, but I'm going to say on, on average three or three or four out of those 30. Okay. And, and I've had a chance to take this subject and present it in a number of, of venues. And I ask the audience the same question. And the general answers that I get are about two, three, and four. And I think two is probably the most common, uh, and I believe with maybe just one exception, no group has ever articulated a number greater than five. Now, if we stop and think about it, that's rather astounding. Because if you think of all those classes and all those students, and we say, well, gee, uh, say in your case, if we take four, that means 26 out of 30 students on average ask no questions. 
That is amazing. And, and I'll suggest that that doesn't mean that the lecture or the demonstration was so clear that there were no other questions to be asked, but rather that it's a reflection of the system of education and inquiry that we're taught in American society, which is basically come into the room, sit down, pull out your notebook, and be quiet. All right, it may be okay to ask a question or two, but if you start asking three or five or 20 questions, you could be labeled as someone who's disruptive. <laughs> right. Or maybe with someone with attention deficit disorder who needs medication. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine someone standing up in the middle of a church sermon and questioning the pastor or the priest? I mean, people would think it was terribly out of place. But why? I mean, if the ideas aren't clear, and there are questions that need to be asked to help make the ideas clear, why wouldn't a person ask them? So it's this ability to ask questions that becomes key to learning. If we, if we think about any subject or area or skill or anything that we want to learn, uh, say you wanted to learn uh, karate or ballet or ice skating or how to weld two steel pipes together, and you've never done that before, then let's say you listen to an expert, say a world champion ice skater, who talks about it for a couple of hours. Could we really go successfully ice skate after listening to them? Absolutely not. Because to successfully ice skate, we would need to go out to an ice rink and lace up some skates and stumble out on the ice and attempt to push off and fall and get up again and try it and fall and keep doing this until we learned how to skate and we learned how to skate fast and we begin to pick up the skill. You can't learn how to do something by having someone tell you about it. You have to actively engage with the activity. And the same thing exists with karate or ballet or welding pipes or whatever. Right. The information from a lecture might be useful, but you have to engage in the activity to become good at it. In the world of thought and ideas, the world of Torah learning, I'll suggest the first activity we need in order to engage in it is to ask questions. You know what, Doug, that's amazing that you say that because sitting here thinking of you know just my experience in becoming a Noahide, it seems to me that most Noahides, starting with myself, were were those people who decided to start asking questions because something something wasn't right, something didn't make sense, and you know this week's sermon or or what have you, or you know in this week's Bible study, things aren't, aren't aren't adding up, and we begin to ask questions, even if it's only in our own silent study, we begin to question. And I think, Doug, that it's all of this thinking that we were doing and asking questions and asking questions and just continuing to ask questions that finally brought us to the truth of Judaism, of where we are today as, as Gentiles following Torah, following Judaism. And, and I, I think you're, you're so right that so much of our system does not allow us to do that that you know the majority of us who came out of Christianity I mean to ask a question of a of a pastor or a priest I mean 
Boy, you just weren't allowed to do that. I mean, it was almost disrespectful to do that. I absolutely agree, and and it is those questions that caused, uh, I think, virtually all of us to uh, to end up on this path because we weren't getting answers, and so we kept seeking out what are those answers and where can we find them, uh, and and that led us back to. Uh, you know, the roots of Torah and then seeking out rabbis to say, would you explain this to me in a, uh, from a rabbinic perspective so that I can see what's, you know, what's happening, uh, from that angle. And, and then the ideas, of course, begin to make sense because once you've been able to take an idea and ask all the questions around it, uh, and, and get satisfactory answers, then you really know it. It's not like somebody's telling you something. It's like you've proven it completely to yourself by asking all of the questions. And that was... Right. It, go ahead. It's almost, it's almost like the hands-on experience. Exactly. Exactly. You, know, you, you get you get more out of it than just hearing about a hands-on experience. Yes. It's, it's the wrestling with it yourself and thinking, well, why did he say that and why this and what about that and wait a minute, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, that begins to uh, really have the ideas uh, start affecting you. Um, yeah, it's it's so funny too talking about this, and I'm thinking back that you know even the thing that really struck me about Judaism, and I shouldn't really refer to it in, in Judaism, and it's Torah. What really struck me about Torah was it made so much sense. Yes. And what the, what that you know reality was in making so much sense is it provoked questions that I never would have thought to ask ever before. And right. just like you say, when you, I, I heard your class, you know, you were talking about kind of the same thing about uh, uh, getting in this class with Rabbi uh, Moskowitz, and he, he reads one verse to you, <laughs> and you spend the next hour on it trying to figure out what kind of question to ask. <laughs> I mean, boy, do you, you feel so stupid, and yet we're never taught that. So it's really not being stupid. It's just lack of knowledge. We're not ignorant. Yeah. And and I think by asking questions, it's a, it's a boldness, and I think it's human nature to really want to, but for some reason we just over time learn to suppress it. And therefore, you only get three out of 30 people asking questions. Right, because <laughs> everyone's afraid or right. doesn't want to appear stupid or something. Right, uh, or God forbid the teacher gives you a thrashing verbally for interrupting. Right. <laughs> so uh, it's it's too bad that you know you you come down to that. But without the question, how do you how do you learn? I, you know, I, I have never since that point I've never understood how I was ever able to learn anything because I was never a big questioner uh, in, until it came to the study of the Bible because I wanted to know who God was. I mean, it was important to me. Uh, you know, but if you don't ask the questions, you can't get anywhere other than just reading that which the guy on the podium is telling you anyway. Right. It just, it, you know. So I'm so glad that I was able to blurt out a couple questions, even if they might have been ignorant. <laughs> so. Oh, the questions are where we learn. That's oh. where the real learning starts. It's that engagement. Uh, Ab absolutely. Well, listen, Doug, uh, let's hold that thought. Uh, we're going to have to sneak out of here and take a quick break. And uh, we will say goodbye for now, but stick with us, folks. We will catch you on the other side. Mm -hmm. 
A study at the Urological Clinic in the Soroka Hospital in Israel found that those taking Apuncha capsules experienced significant relief from bladder or urinary problems. Don't just suffer. Contact the Priso Company for natural herbal remedies made from the Apuncha flower grown right here in Israel. Visit their website at www.priso.com. www.priso.com. That's P-R-I-S-S-O dot com. You don't have to be in Jerusalem to buy the best of Judaica. Now sterling silver, artistic glassware, jewelry, talitote, mezuzot, and much more are available online at judaica4u.com. Or you can just walk into our downtown Jerusalem location in the bell tower, judaica4u.com. On the web, in Jerusalem, and now in Moda'in, in the Kaiser neighborhood, judaica, the number four, the letter u.com. Shalom and welcome back, folks. We appreciate you sticking around for the second half of the Noahide Nation show here. As you probably recall, we're here with Doug Taylor, uh, one of the instructors on the uh, Noahide Nation's website in our Academy of Shem. He's been gracious enough to share some of his knowledge and wisdom as our co-host, uh, filling in for Prescott uh, while he's away. And uh, before we left for the, the break, we were talking about questions and kind of getting into the idea of of the importance of asking them. And so we're going to kind of carry on from there because both Doug and I feel that questions are the most important aspect of learning. Is, wouldn't you say, Doug? I mean, that that has to be the answer. Is it? I would agree with you. Right? Yeah, I, I'm I'm there too. And the way you present it, it, it truly hits home. Yeah, it's a fundamental uh, activity in in virtually any kind of learning. And you had mentioned before the break that Noahides come to this because we start asking questions from the places we're in and we don't get the kind of answers we're looking for. And that points to a really important aspect, which may seem obvious, but isn't always, and that is that we can't be afraid of asking questions, even of an authority. Uh, and in, in some of the uh, religious upbringing that some of us had, you know, asking questions, particularly of an authority figure, was, you know, just not an okay thing to do. Uh, but that, in fact, is what led us uh, to the truth of Torah, is we started questioning and we asked, and we, we asked authority figures. Right. And, and, and we shouldn't ever be afraid to do that, because if someone has true ideas, then they're not going to be afraid to... Uh, talk about them and if someone is afraid to take on a question that in itself can be a real red flag that suggests okay what is it that you uh, what is it that you you don't want you've probably noticed that authorities are often afraid of questions (laughs) yes Uh, yes they are And, and they want to you know, sometimes protect their territory. And so in addition to not learning how to question in our society, sometimes we're taught that questioning is a weapon. And importantly in our society in today's world, sometimes just to question is considered an attack. 
So if someone's up speaking and I say, excuse me, but, you know, what you said contradicts this or that or the other, you know, people might say, gee, why is that guy attacking the speaker? It's like, I'm not attacking the speaker. I'm just asking a question. Now, you can use a question as a weapon, but the kinds of questions that we're talking about are questions that are truly trying to seek inquiry and get down to uh, what a true idea is. Well, and, you know, when you start talking about your own salvation, asking a question or two might be a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. It's It's kind of like brain surgery. You know, if we have to have it, we're probably going to ask the neurosurgeon about his credentials <laughs> and, you know, how many of these have you done before and, you know, did you get your certificate out of a box of cereal or did you really go to school? You know, we're, we're going to be wanting to know something about that person and their skill level and, and so forth because our life is at stake. And, you know, as you say, uh, a person's salvation or, or their eternal destiny or how they even just live the rest of their life on this planet is dependent on figuring out what are true ideas, what's reality, uh, and how do I uh, how do I operate within that? Right. Well, and it's it's interesting too because using your example, if the brain surgeon took offense to your asking his asking him questions, would you want to go under the knife with this person? Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. you know, here again, now it calls into question this whole thing of, of, you know, if it, if it means your salvation, uh, like you say, your, your eternal life, you know, a question or two might be okay because, you know what, it's about my salvation. I'm going to get it right or wrong. There's no in between. It's right or wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's just no other way to do it than to do it ourselves. We can't really delegate that to someone else, although I think many people do because it, you know, it, it can be an easy thing to say, well, that guy up there on the podium, you know, he's told me right. how it is. And so I'm right. going with that and I don't have to think about it. It's like, well, yeah. And he, he becomes your go between kind yeah. of. Yeah. He, he does all the homework for exactly. you. Exactly. He takes the tests for you. Uh, which that isn't what being a part of Hashem's creation is all about. Being part of His creation, one of the things that, I don't want to say we're tasked with it, but one of the things that are kind of required from us is to know our Creator. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can do that is by diving into it yourself. And that does include asking questions. And, you know, it's a tough thing. I mean, people are amazed when they first start doing it. They, they can't believe that they're actually asking questions of a rabbi. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, gosh, do I dare? Oh, <laughs> you know. Well, you know what? If you don't, they kind of look at you like maybe you're not really learning anything. <laughs> so it's they want to use it against you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. I've seen classes where, you know, new people come in, and I think they're very afraid to ask questions. Of course, they, you know. Uh, I think we all probably have this this natural tendency, uh, or at least some of us, not to want to do something that we think will make us look foolish. But uh, questioning is is a skill like any other, and it takes practice. And you just have to dive in and start doing it, and say, well, why is this that way? And uh, virtually every rabbi that I've come in contact with, when you ask questions of them, they will patiently explain. Here's why this is this and this is that, and uh, you know 
this fits with this and this fits with that. So it's a, a skill that can be learned in that arena, but there are also other opportunities for us where we can uh, we can develop that skill on an everyday basis. For example, if, if you watch a news broadcast um, or maybe a, a short video uh, on the Internet, uh, that, that you're in a position to look at multiple times, say you record the news broadcast, uh, then watch it once and then write down all the questions that occur to you as you watch the video and then watch it again and see if more questions come to mind or if you think of questions about your previous questions. And, and at this stage... See, we're, we're kind of taught in the U.S., well, we've got to go right for the answer. Got to have the answer. You know, what's the answer? At this stage, it's not so important to try to get answers. The, the skill is first to learn how to question uh, and what to question. Questions can lead to other questions, and, and your, your questions can ultimately guide your whole investigation uh, into something. For example, you know, you've probably received some of those offers in the mail that promise or strongly imply that if you buy their program or subscribe to their newsletter or listen to their CDs, that you will get wealthy. Uh, oh, I've been a millionaire ten times over because of those kinds of mailings. There you go. <laughs> and, and those offerings play on our fantasies. So here's an interesting question to ask. If this offer, this investment, this technique, this stock market newsletter, this whatever, is so good, why are they offering it to me? Because why don't those people just use that technique and make a lot of money and retire? Why bother messing around with me? Yeah, is it truly to share the wealth? Well, yes. <laughs> I don't there's, know. Which is a good question. There is a question. And, and in fact, I, I got to share with you, I got one in the mail years ago, and I wish I had held on to it, but it, it was something, it went something like this. Dear Mr. Taylor, I know that things haven't been going well for you. I know you've been struggling with lots of issues in your life that have prevented you from being as happy and as wealthy as you could be. I know this has been a difficult time for you. But there is good news. Things are about to turn up for you. A new day is about to dawn for you, Mr. Taylor. The stars are aligning in such a way that new opportunities are about to come your way and blah, 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 blah. This thing <laughs> went on for several pages. And finally, it got to the real purpose, which is was in order for you to be able to take advantage of all the good that's about to come your way, I want to give you a special astro astrological reading that will help you utilize all the energy that's lining up for you and blah, 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 and more paragraphs and more paragraphs. And then you got to the bottom. And it said, to get your personal reading, just send $19.95 to the address below, or if you have a Visa or MasterCard, fill in the number below, and I'll send you right away or da da, da all the stuff that I'm going to get. So you... you you get the sense here. Oh, so yeah. the question that I asked was, wait just a second. I mean, this woman was putting herself out to be some kind of soothsayer or astrological forecaster or something. I thought, if this woman who wrote this knows so much about me that she can understand all of the troubles and the challenges that I'm facing, because that's what she wrote in this, in this letter, and if she knows all about all these good things that are going to happen to me, 
then how come she had to ask whether I had a Visa or a MasterCard? Why didn't <laughs> yeah, would, she know that? Did she know that? <laughs> In fact, why did she even have to ask for the number? Because it would be a whole lot easier to know whether I have a charge card than it would be to know about all the details of my personal life and the struggles I'm going through and so forth. So asking questions can open up just fascinating avenues of exploration and, and uh, understanding. For example, if, uh, if you're caught up in some type of activity that doesn't appear to be you know, moving you in the direction you want to go or you're, you're just not, you're spinning your wheels or whatever, you can stop and ask yourself, you know, why am I doing this? Uh, and really think about the question and the possible answers. And sometimes we, we ask ourselves questions and we realize, you know, I don't really need to be doing this thing and I'm not getting any joy or energy out of it. I'm just wasting my time. Why don't I get rid of this and, and move on? One of the other issues that we run into is the whole area of gossip. We could do a whole show about gossip. Uh, but when, if someone comes up to us and wants to tell us, you know, I got this latest scoop about what Harry's up to or Sally or this or that, a, a very powerful way to deal with that is to ask the person questions like, did you experience this yourself or did you hear it from somebody else? And where'd you get the information? And, and probably the most powerful question you could ask is, why are you telling me this? Uh, and those kinds of questions really can stop gossip dead in its tracks. <laughs> because people don't really want to have to admit the real reason why they're telling you that stuff. <laughs> Oh yeah, the the answer could only be well. It may, it's make, sure making me feel good. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I feel important because I know something you don't. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, there's another interesting question that uh, stimulates some food for thought. Would it make sense to lie to our children if there is no practical reason that we need to do so? And particularly if we know that one day they will learn that we have lied to them. And when put in that phraseology, I would presume everyone would say, well, of course you wouldn't do that. I mean, why would you, why would a person do such a thing? Well, what about Santa Claus? Parents tell their children that Santa Claus rides through the sky on a sleigh pulled by a reindeer and drops down through the chimney and leaves presents for good little boys and girls. Now, the parent knows that is a completely fabricated lie. And the same thing, what about the tooth fairy? What about the Easter bunny? Right, um, right. And, and I know that questioning some of these very widely spread traditions is, is probably considered in some circles like attacking the Pope, but the, the question still sits there in front of us, does it make sense to lie to our children? Uh, another interesting question. In the United States, it's my understanding that the second biggest retail sales day in the year next to Christmas is Halloween. Uh, I was surprised when I heard that. I didn't, didn't realize it was that big a commercial uh, day. 
Uh, well, I think that's a recent revelation, too. I don't think that statistic had come out before uh, this past Halloween. Yeah. Because I'd, I'd never heard it either, and when I heard it, I mean, I was flabbergasted. Yeah, it's very surprising. But then I started, once I'd heard the statistic, I started sort of watching things happening in stores and shops and whatever when that that day came around. I thought, yeah, there's a lot of activity going on. And so what happens? I mean, you know the drill. Children dress up in costumes, uh, often Mm -hmm. of the scary variety. uh, And they go around the neighborhood and they knock on doors. uh, And then they say, trick or treat. And the homeowner gives them some candy, and they go barreling down the front steps and on to the next house. Now, my guess is that most kids, at the age that they're doing that, all they know is that trick-or-treat is the code phrase for getting the candy. They're just kind of taught. They go up, knock on the door, and say, trick-or-treat. You know, parents teach them how to do that. Exactly. But if you stop and ask, well, what is really being said here? The translation of trick-or-treat is, if you don't give me some kind of a treat, I'm going to do, I'm going to pull a trick on you. I'm going to do something that you don't like. And the question that I started asking was, isn't that extortion? (laughs) That was was exactly what I was thinking. I was like, wait a minute, we have some extortion going on here now. By all the kids in the neighborhood, <laughs> it's an amazing thing, and and I, I, I mean, we're essentially we're teaching the children, albeit at a very subtle level. They don't, they're not consciously thinking about it this way, but we're we're teaching them, you know, go threaten your neighbor and you'll get something from them. And and I know that somebody's probably going to say, Doug, you're taking this way too seriously. I'm just asking the question: Is it? Or right. is it not extortion? So, and a lot of the people, a lot of adults, I should say, the parents will say, "Well, it's you know, it's just all in, it's it's fun. I mean, everybody's doing it. It's all just in fun." But what do most parents think of when they discover their child has lied to them for the first time in their lives? Mm-hmm. Suddenly, it's not okay. And they can't understand why the child has lied, and yet they've been the kid's been lied to all their lives, yeah. and and like you say, taught how to extort people. And kids, I mean, they're they're sponges at that age. They are sponges and don't think for a minute. They don't remember these kinds of things. They may not know it's extortion at the time, but they get into the workplace, and boy, it seems to work here too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A little thread, a little bit here, a little bit there. Right. <laughs> and I don't even need a mask. Right. Uh, that's that's exactly true. So you can learn a huge amount by starting to question things that normally appear on the surface to be just, you know, everyday stuff that we're normally used to. And you start asking sort of, well, why do people do that? And why this? And what about that? And pretty soon you start seeing patterns and answers to things that generally I think a lot of people aren't looking at. And it allows us to get down to the core, essentially, of seeing reality and seeing what's really going on uh, in life. Questions also have a really interesting ability to change our focus. Tony Robbins brought this out in his book, Awaken the Giant Within, He commented that a question can completely change your attitude. 
because it changes what you're focused on and that can change then how you feel. If you were running a small business and say you were a software developer and your lead technical guy quit, that could potentially be you know, a devastating thing for the business. And an owner could wring his hands and ask, gee, how will I ever survive? Which is a, a question, true, but it's a, a rather disempowering question because it implies I'm going to crash and not be able to survive, and it'll probably lead me to feel depressed. On the other hand, if he were to turn around and ask the question, how can I use this event to help me move my company to the next level? That question focuses you in a different direction. Uh, it focuses you into thinking about possibilities rather than disaster for the company. And that, just that opening of, you know, a new idea set can start me thinking about, well, you know, I could do this and I could do that and maybe I could outsource the development and that would change the whole way I was planning to go and maybe the stuff I like is the marketing and I could, you know, subcontract the the, the technical work and, gee, that would free me up because I wouldn't have to manage these people and so on and so forth. It starts you thinking about possibilities instead of thinking about disaster. So there are lots and lots of different ways to... Uh, use questions in our uh, in our everyday life to to look at everything from the news to uh, the the common events we're dealing with in in business or or our families. One other interesting quick anecdote: uh, I was watching uh, a movie a while back, and it was a heist movie, basically about a bunch of robbers who one of the robbers double-crosses the rest of the gang and makes off with the money, and the, the rest of the movie is about the original gang trying to get it back. And they were obviously portrayed in the movie as the good guys and the one who had double-crossed them as the bad guy. And at one point in the middle of the movie, we were watching this with our family, uh, the, the lead good guy and the lead bad guy uh, get together at a restaurant. And the lead bad guy says, you know... There's really no difference between the two of us. It's just that I won. And I stopped the movie because <laughs> I was, you know, we're asking questions about, okay, what's happening in the dialogue and who's saying what to whom? And I stopped and I said to my kids, listen to that guy because he's telling the truth. There's, the guys who are portrayed here as the good guys, you know, are not really good guys. They are robbers, too. They rob this money from somebody else. It's right. just that somebody robbed it from them. And the teaching I learned from Rabbi Moskowitz to ask questions started going over into asking questions about movies and things we'd seen. And, gee, does this make sense? Would a character really say that? Is that really an appropriate thing for him to do? Is that even a rational thing for him to do? And, and so on and so forth. So well, it permeates everything, and that's how the change happens. Well, Doug, you must be a thrill to have at a party, hey? <laughs> I don't know. But, but you know, what you're talking about is, is so true and needs to be heard. Unfortunately... We're going to have to do this on another show. And I don't know, you tell me real quick. Uh, can we do another show on this and kind of carry on? 
Oh, we definitely can. I'd love okay. to. Well, folks, uh, it was great to have you with us today. Please do join us next week for a continuation of this uh, unbelievable topic. I mean, it's uh, quite fascinating, and I'm sure it's only going to get more so from here. So, folks, thanks again, and we'll see you next week. And in the meantime, Shavua Tov. JJ here in the USA. We, I just called to wish you blessed holidays and a happy new year. And we're standing with you. So we serve the God, the only God of Israel. Don't give up any more land. God gave you that land. Take care of it and do what you need to do. All the blessings of the Holy One of Israel upon you. The only true God from Grandma JJ in Gallatin, Tennessee. Love you all. You're listening to IsraelNationalRadio.com.